Hello and welcome to Thought Rambler. I'm Jonathan Dick. Today's thought, the NBA and the mid-season tournament. It's something that doesn't exist right now, but the NBA is proposing to have a mid-season tournament. And this is, I don't know what it is about this idea, but it has gotten stuck somewhere in my brain and it won't let go. So I got to ramble it out. I've spent too long thinking about this, more than anyone should have. Um, so I just, I, I got to get it out. I got I to work out these ideas. So what I'm, I think the way I'm going to structure this is, let's just talk about what the NBA is proposing. My idea comes second. And then third, I think there's a compromise there. And that might be the best idea. So really quickly, uh, the NBA is an 82-game um regular season sport, right? It's, uh, it happens about over about six months and then you have playoffs, which last about, uh, about a month and a half or so. And all-star break happens. I don't know about two thirds into the season. There is no real like mid season point that's celebrated. So there's, there's kind of like a, a week off at all-star break and, but that's not really in the middle of the season. It's kind of a little bit, um, two thirds or something like that. So what the NBA is trying to do is take um, kind of boost up the ratings and the importance of the regular season before All-Star break, that like first two thirds of the season, because after the All-Star break, pretty much every team knows if they're going to try for the playoffs or if they're going to try for the lottery, the draft lottery the next year. So it seems like, uh, you know, having a midseason tournament and again, the way uh, the NBA is kind of trying to do it is not to add extra games for the players, but I guess the people who will play the championship game, technically they'll play 83 games that season, whatever. Okay. So they're kind of saying like, hey, there's 30 teams. Let's have six groups, five teams. I don't know if it's going to be geographical or if it's going to be random, but they're going to have that. And then they're going to say um, certain games. Uh, between those teams and the group. So let's just say, you know, I'm here in Portland, Oregon. I'm a Trailblazer fan. Let's just go with Portland Trailblazers and say in their group, uh, just say it's geographical. So it's like, you know, uh, the closest teams are going to be like Denver, Utah, uh, Golden State, Sacramento, something like that. That'd be like a group of five teams. And so maybe in the first two thirds before All-Star break or whatever, whenever the midseason tournament would happen, um, whatever games like Portland Denver games, those would count towards like they would the win loss point differential. I don't know how it's going to work, but they would, you know, if you want all of them or enough of them, you would then qualify for the tournament, which would be in, you know, it would be eight teams. So there's six groups of five. They would have to figure out the next two, who the next two teams would be wild card teams. They don't know how to do that yet. And then, like, at some point, again, maybe during All-Star break, maybe not, there would be, like, a Elite Eight one day. Next day, there would be, like, a Final Four. And then the next day, there would be, like, a championship game. The winners would get, the players on the team would get half a million dollars each. There's 15 roster spots on a team. So I'm assuming, I don't know how that's going to work. They each get half a million. I don't know what the coaches get. I don't know what anyone else gets. But at least they're saying... Seven and a half million dollars will be, you know, put into the players who win to make it, I guess, worth it to play that extra, 
game. I don't know, something like that, right? So that's kind of what they're they're trying to do. Again, they're trying to boost up uh, ratings and the importance of the regular season. So if a regular you know game occurs and that's a and let's just call it you know the NBA's idea of this is the like the Commissioner Cup and the WNBA. They're kind of pulling some ideas from that. So let's just call this idea the Commissioner Cup. I don't think it's I don't think anyone else does, but just for the sake of this, I'm going to call it the Commissioner's Cup. So the Commissioner's Cup idea which is what they want to install maybe even next season in the 2023-2024 season uh, by the time this is being recorded, right? The uh, They could have this, you know, in place. And so certain games that, again, Portland, Oregon, Portland Trailblazers are going to play could, you know, go into the however it's going to, however they're going to do the pool play. I don't know. But like those games would count to the Commissioner's Cup. So those would be like Commissioner Cup games. I don't know. So that's how they're trying to figure it out. And the idea would be like more people might tune in because maybe, again, the stars wouldn't be doing the load management on the Commissioner Cup games because they're more important. But I'm not sure. But that's all I know for now. I don't know if there's an extra prize for the Commissioner Cup other than like money and a trophy, maybe some rings. You know, I don't know. Maybe that's it. So that's the Commissioner Cup idea. So my idea, and I'm going to do the who, what, where, when kind of thing here. Really quickly, I'm going to do a quick, broad overview, and then I'll get into more details about it. But my idea doesn't mess around with any of the scheduling of the regular season. At that point, no one's going into groups. You know, my my idea would be, at least let's start with the the where and the when, and that is just use All-Star break for the midseason tournament and do it during the day. You know, All-Star break is like the weekend is like a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Usually I think Friday night is like the Rising Stars game. And then Saturday night is like the competitions, like the skills and the three-point contest and the dunk contest. And then Sunday is the All-Star game. And the All-Star game is a fun, you know, thing, whatever. But it's also like a week off that every team gets. So if you're not called or invited to any of the activities at the All-Star game, chances are, you know, you're not, you're, you get the week off. You're on vacation, right? So whether you want to or not, right, there's no games being played. Coaches, everyone is kind of break for that week, on furlough for that week, right? Um so there is ample opportunity there to play a tournament. But here's my idea. You're not playing it with the full team. In fact, the, the players that, in my idea, we're going we're gonna to call it the Insatiable Six Tournament. And the Insatiable Six, to me, and I'll explain this a little bit later, this is the who, they are basically your bottom six players on the roster. They are the ones who get per game, per season, the least amount of minutes. Think of them as like the, the guys who come in at garbage time. Think of them as like third string C team, somewhere in the rotation between 10 and 15. And again, we'll get into the details of it all in a bit because there's some fun details. And I want to explain too why I think those players would be the best ones suited for
for this exercise, okay? But essentially, so just think of that right now. You got the, you know, you got, so again, Portland Trailblazers, you're talking about people in that, you know, uh, guys who have fallen out of the rotation who may be still on rookie contracts or, you know, again, a rookie or a guy on his second year, third year, someone who was just traded, maybe who fell out of rotation at another team, maybe like a 20-year vet. You know, it's like we have on the Trailblazers, you know, towards the end of the year, it kind of got crazy because of all the tanking. But generally speaking, like we had a couple rookies and we had a couple two, you know, guys on their second year that would have filled, the, you know, filled this bill pretty well. And um, and there's just six of them, two, two of the coaches who are kind of coaching those players anyways. So so basically the personnel would be eight from your team. Basically, the, you know, the bottom six, and we'll get into the details of what that means, and two coaches. And they'd play the tournament. And here's the what. It's a three-day tournament. First day, round robin. Second day, single elimination bracket. Third day, the championship game. All during the day. The players playing during the day should not be the same players that would be playing it at all or even invited for any reason to All-Star break. I don't think they would be able to qualify for it because they wouldn't have enough minutes. Unless it's like maybe slam dunk contest or something like that, right? So uh, it wouldn't interfere with any of that. It's not that many people, and it would take place on the same days, and it would give the fans something to watch during the day. It's a little bit more competition. It's something else is happening that weekend. It would also be happening pretty much where. It would be happening at the All-Star Weekend location. This last season, it was Salt Lake City. So you can imagine, you know, you rent out another, you know, uh, venue to have a few courts because you're going to have to play simultaneously on the first day. There's just way too many teams. We'll get into that in a second. That's the how. And basically, like I said, the first, for me, the idea goes like this. You got, the first day is called the quarters because you're just playing quarters. You're playing 12 minutes, four of them. So a team, whatever your favorite team is, boom, they get, uh, and again, it could be completely random or it could be this same kind of idea of groups, you know, six groups, five teams, something like that. But you're playing only, well, I guess you can't do that because you're only playing four games, right? Um, well, I guess you could. So, you know, but you schedule it out so every team is playing essentially one game that day, but there's, you know, every quarter is spread out. It's a different team. So one, one team will play four teams. Right? Four games, right? Against other teams. So logistically, that's a lot, right? So you'd have to have simultaneous courts going. And here's my other thing is, uh, again, you have the 30 teams going at it, and to advance to the next day, which is going to be three bracket uh, times, right, three bracket games, so basically a Sweet 16, Elite 8, Final 4, all in the same crunch time. And again, second day, the Sweet 16, just one quarter, Elite 8, two quarters, Final 4, three quarters. So you're playing, at most, one game, on Friday, one and a half games if you make it to the final four on Saturday. <laughs> and then on Sunday, you'd be playing the final game. And that's just a game, like just like any other regulation game. 
same rules and all that apply. Again, we'll get sort of in the nitty gritty there, but that's my idea of how the tournament would work. Now, the why I think is super important here. Now, the why can also be money and trophies and rings and all that kind of stuff too. But I don't think all of that stuff really moves the needle. I think it would be, you know, the players who would be involved with this, again, a benefit to it being these insatiable six, the hungriest, most insatiable players on the team, the team, the players on the team who don't get the minutes. This is great exposure. They're going to play at a high competitive level, regardless of what the reward is, you know? But this is my idea for the reward. The GM on top of getting, you know, the players and, and the coaches and whoever else get paid, and with, you know, only six players and two coaches, it's going to be a lot cheaper. <laughs> it's not going to be, you know what I mean? Like if it's, um, if the buy-in for the tournament as it is uh, planned now, they're at least planning $7.5 million for reward money, let alone however else, however much it's going to cost, right? Well, here with six players, you, you know, you do half a million dollars, and um, that's only $3 million, and half a million dollars to these players makes a much bigger difference than some of the star players. But here's the other thing. The GM gets a reward too. And it'll be known as something what's called like a two up or a two down. And here's how I would want this to work. The GM slash front office, I'm just going to say GM, here in... Uh, Portland, we have Joe Cronin currently filling that office. So GM Joe, trademark, uh, GM Joe would sit there and, uh, you know, meet with his people and they would come up with like pre-tournament, right? They got their six players. They got their two coaches. They're sending them to Salt Lake City to compete. And they have to fill out. There's just like a, you know, a secret envelope. There's two choices, two up or two down. And the front office has to decide. Because, again, this is all-star break. They've, the trade deadline is over. It's kind of like show your cards as a, as a front office. Do Are you vying for playoffs? Or do you want to go, do you want to increase your odds of the lottery? At the end of the season, whenever all the dust is settled, one team, because of the Insatiable Six tournament, will get the opportunity to say, we want to go two up and maybe get into the play-in or get into the playoffs or maybe get home court advantage in the playoffs or the opposite, two down, you know, increase their odds. So, like, think about uh, so the Portland Trailblazers, for example. They kind of had a tank at the end of the year and landed number 13. Let's say in this uh, hypothetical uh, you know, the Keon Johnsons and Trenton Watfords and Jabari Walkers of the Blazers um, earn themselves half a million dollars. And at the end, when the trophy's being rewarded, GM Joe is there on the stage, that envelope is open, and we find out what the front office was thinking three days earlier. And chances are, the front office at that point in time, despite... You know, the feelings of uh, the biggest star on the team, Damian Lillard, who wants not to tank, <laughs> um, would change the chance that they'd be, they'd be going two down. And at the end of the season, when they land at, you know, 13th out of 15th, 
you know, going two up would have done them nothing. They would have gone to 11. They don't even get in the play in, right? So it would have been a smart move at the end of the day for GM Joe, who uh, chose two down because then, boom, you land at 13th, you get to be 15th. And now you have, you know, technically the best odds at getting the number one pick, which you could take yourself. Or again, if you want to service the biggest star and you want to get more help, veteran help, then you use that number one pick and you trade or the number two or the number three or whatever it's almost guaranteed to be. It's value there. And the best part about this idea is that it's the scrubs, right? <laughs> it's the scrubs that are helping the team in some sort of way. And here's and here's my caveat as well. I do think that the two up, two down, it, I mean, really what it is is uh, two up, one down, or two down, one up, you know, because I, I think that, like, even though there's a reveal after the tournament, it still depends on where you land, and you get a choice. that The GM can turn it around at the end of the year. I think this is kind of like, I think this is what, you, know, you don't want to be totally stuck, right? Because, like, what happens if the team, even though you think the team's tanking by the time the All-Star break, well, the team starts winning and they start making themselves into the um, the playing tournament deep enough. Maybe they're, like, at seven or eight. So you go, you know, two down like you originally thought you were going to. It's not going to take you out of the playoffs, right? So your lottery chances aren't really, you know, they're kind of gone anyways. So wouldn't it be better than, to, you know, let's say you're at, um, yeah, like, you know, seven, and then you, you can't go up to, you know, uh, but you don't want to go down to at that point. Well, maybe you can just turn it around. So you say, okay, void what I said before, I'll, you know, take the other option, just go up one. So you lose basically half of the steps that you can take, but you can turn it th- around the different direction. So you still get something, right? The team still earned you something. Those scrubs, the hungriest, most insatiable players on the team, got you to go, let's say in this case, one up, even though originally, because, you know, the, the rest of the team, the big stars and everything made a big push at the end of the year, let's say hypothetically, you know? So there's there's some wiggle room there. But I think it's important that the GMs as well as the players get something. There's a wild card. There's a little bit of chaos at the end of the year when everyone is trying to factor in. So again, think of like the Portland Trailblazers. They have this like, you know, uh, two down, let's say. And now everyone's watching at the end of the uh, season the games and they're trying to see where the, the Trailblazers are going to fall because – you know, and, and then you have a couple teams like Houston and the Spurs and, the, and, and San Antonio in this case, who would have been like, what, what, like, you know, no matter, we've been tanking all year <laughs> and now Portland's going to you know steal one of our chances. And they don't even have to land all the way down here. They can land down at 13th and be pretty safe. They can land down maybe even at 14th or 12th in that case and be pretty safe to get down into, you know, it's just like, it's a benefit. It kind of throws people off. They can complain, but it's like, hey, win the damn thing the next year, you know? <laughs> get your scrubs, get better scrubs. <laughs> so anyways, that's the, who, the, the who is the, the scrubs, right? The what, it, again, same kind of single elimination tournament with a round robin. You do it during all-star break, same, you know, daytime, same location. You break it up over a couple days. I think that's pretty doable. Right. And I think everyone kind of wins with this idea. I like this idea. I don't know. Again, like the pros are you get these like third string players, a lot of exposure. Right. These are the guys, these guys, if there's, you know, if the NBA has 450 or so, you know, of the best basketball players in the world where these guys are going to be that, what is it, you know, 300 to 450. So they're better than 
a bunch of other players from around the world, right? They're still good players. Some other pros here would be like, um, uh, well, let's see. Let me back up. Let me back up really quickly. Let me. I want to talk about the Insatiable Six. So my, and this is all where it kind of started. Five years ago, at least this this term in my head of the Insatiable Six. Uh, five years ago or so, the Portland Trailblazers were playing their last game of the season, game 82. And they were, I think at that point, they were slated. Uh, if they win the game, they go to third seed. If they lose the game, they go to fourth seed. They were like right there. And, you know, so it's like at this point in time, there's no play in either. So playoffs are coming. There's a few days of rest. So the head coach, Terry Stotts, decides I'm going to rest the, you know, whatever, the eight or nine players that are bound to be rotational playoff players. And then the bottom six who aren't going to get, you know, hardly any minutes in the playoffs at all. We're just going to, I'm just going to play them this game 82. Now I've never seen that before. I've never seen it since. I mean, I've seen like tight rotations in the playoffs and all that, but like this was someone who was like, I have six players that I'm going to play. I'm not going to play anyone else. Come hey, uh, hey or high water. What What is it? Uh, um, hell or high water. I don't know. I thought that was a ballsy move. And of course, you know, uh, they were playing Sacramento at Sacramento. And they played all 15 of their players. And Portland only played six. And Portland won the game handily. Like, they had a comeback. It was, like, a huge comeback in the second half. But, like, they won the game handily. And, you know, Anthony Simons was a rookie. Was a rookie. And he's playing 48 minutes. I think he played the entire game. You know, he was, like, what, like, 19, 18, 19 years old. Anthony Simons, Gary Trent Jr., Scott LeBissier, Jake Lehman, Myers Leonard, and Zach Collins. I remember these guys' names because I was actually so impressed with their play. They had such good play. They were, you know what I mean? Like, I realized at that moment that I had seen these guys before play like garbage time, and it's terrible. But like here, when they actually had a few quarters to figure it out, they could play high level basketball. They just don't get a lot of chance. So at that point, I was like, and no one had seen that game. It was kind of, it's kind of, to me, it's a fabled game because it was game 82. It was a throwaway game. But it also had like huge implications because Portland won that game. They were third seed and they ended up playing Oklahoma City in the playoffs. And they won that, you know, first round. Dame had his bad shot against Paul George. Then they went on to play Denver. Seven games, you know, four overtimes, I think in game four or five. And uh, legendary game, uh, legendary series, Portland wins, and they go to the Western Conference Final. It's a huge deal. Had they lost that game and those insatiable six players in Game 82, you know, if they had not won, then Portland plays James Harden and the Houston Rockets. And who knows? Who knows how that goes, right? But the point is, is like, everything worked out because, you know, the the... 
you can't screw around with the basketball gods. You put in your bottom six, and he's like, go for it, guys. And it turns out, you know, when they actually have time to be a cohesive unit, they can really work together and they can play their hearts out. And then, you know, Sacramento, who's just putting in everyone they have at different times, you know what I mean? Like, they're throwing that game as well in a way. It's not like, you know, this it wasn't the Golden State Warriors, right? <laughs> it wasn't a, a playoff game, but it was still, it was highly competitive i recommend it if you can if you can pull it up on youtube you know it's um it's just one of those really fun interesting games because there was that anomaly of six against 15 so to me the insatiable when i was thinking about a mid-season tournament it just popped in my head and was just like well during all-star break you know you're not you know, like Dame Lillard is the only, you know, Blazer who's going to go to All-Star weekend unless people are going to like support him. Right. You know, uh, or, or if they're going to go, uh, you know, to an event. But generally speaking, those bottom six, they're not going to go to those. The, the mid, you know, the rotational players like the B team, you know, uh, type players, the um, rotation would be like, you know, six through nine or something. They're not usually invited to that right and they and they're usually vets they want to have their vacation they have families even if you're in the bottom six if you're one of those like older vets you know you can always just defer and say i don't want to go play that you know scrubs game i'm not as insatiable as i used to be and every team has like two-way g league players so you could just probably funnel them right into that like, there's a way I think you can make this pretty easy that, you know, because of minutes, the lack of minutes, essentially, you qualify into this. And then, you know, depending, and I think if you're on the team and you're, you know, you're a rookie, I think you're going to want to go. But I think the players should still defer whether they do or don't. But, you know, there's enough of these developmental players that teams have that I, I think it'll work just fine. You know, trying to figure out, like, the, who those six players are. And... You know, the other uh, pros here are that, you know, again, if it were just money, which is cool, but if that were it, I don't know. I don't, I just don't know how far that would really get. Like, but if the GM could pull off, you know, going two up or two down in the standings, depending on what they want to do, what their goals are, well, then I imagine they're going to start getting a lot better players to play those you know play those roles i mean you're gonna get better depth on teams i think when you do trades and these guys are usually like trade fodder you know um it's gonna come in handy because you might get dealt someone and that might be someone that you sneakily want because you're gonna enter them into this thing they they, they might not be helping you day to day because you have a nice rotation already but you know what i mean like why not why not um get more value in your players and the players be more valuable. Why not take more time to coach them and make them a cohesive unit? Because at some point they're going to qualify to make it to the tournament. So, yeah, so I, I, you know, I have a, um, um, a soft spot, I guess, for these um, bottom six players, these insatiable players, these insatiable six players and two head coaches or two assistant coaches. I have, I mean, I think that's like the the first thing is the when I tell people this idea, you you find out really quickly, are they? There's two, you know, there's many perspectives of fandom, but like I've noticed here that there there's the stars or bust perspective, and then there's the like, um, oh, I I just like I like watching competitive basketball, 
And so for people who like watching competitive basketball, yeah, this is great because they want to cheer on people who don't normally get the exposure. For people who are like, no, I just want to watch stars play, they throw this idea away. But, you know, the other pro here is that, again, imagine this tournament's happening daytime at All-Star Weekend. The the Sunday, the final happens. What if that game is super competitive? Do you think later that evening the the All-Star game is going to be the same lackluster, like, non-competitive game? Or do you think that those guys are going to be like, well, these quote-unquote scrubs just, you know, like, they've been, like, dogging it out for three days. They just earned someone's team two up or two down, right? They played their hearts out, and the players don't know that it's going to go two up or two down, right? It's a surprise to them. All they know is that they're helping their team somehow, right? Take the responsibility and accountability away from it on that on that end. But yeah, I think the the All Stars would then play more competitively. I think you might actually get a more competitive game out of the All Stars because they're you know it's only going to be a few hours removed from what is most likely going to be a very competitive game. So it's kind of like an you know like an opening act. You go to a, a music festival. You, you know what I mean? Like the Sunday headliner. You know Kevin Durant, LeBron James, Giannis. You know, it's like uh, everyone's going to go to that stage, right? But during the day, what if you have, you know, some other, you know, in this case, I'm not going to stick with the music festival <laughs> analogy, but like, you know, you have this 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 game, this, this, this tournament. People are going to find out something special that's going to affect all, almost every team. I think it's, I don't know. I think that adds extra spice to All-Star Weekend. I think people are going to, it's just going to be something that like the basketball junkies, the people who've been starving for basketball all week long. And then they're just like, yeah, All-Star game. I don't know. I support, again, it's that perspective. Some people just want to see the stars. Some people want to see competitive basketball. And the people who want to see competitive basketball don't watch the All-Star game or they only watch it for the hope that there might be some sort of competitive rally at some point. You know, because it's like you do all those great players. You want to see it really competitive. You want, you want you know, offense and defense. You don't really get that. But, you know, like, hey, if you also had an opening act that's going to play passionately, play their butts off with a little bit of drama as well with that, like, reveal of the envelope. I think those those players are going to be watching. They're going to see it. They might even you know, attend the game, right? A couple hours later, they're there being introduced, screaming fans. I think they're going to have a little bit like, well, let's play, right? It might become a little bit more competitive. So, yeah, the and, and, and my other ideas here for the who. So, like I said, you know, like, you know, vets can, you know, all players can defer, but I, I assume the only ones who would actually defer would be older players, vets, but who knows, like, you know, again, maybe, let's just say, let's say the Trailblazers want to bring Carmelo Anthony back because <laughs> they know that, hey, he's not going to play a lot of minutes. He's going to help us out, though. We're going to hold a, a roster spot with him, hoping that, you know, if he does come into the rotation during regular season games, he can help. But if he can't, maybe he's a veteran presence, you know, on that insatiable tournament. Maybe he's someone who can actually, like, maybe, you know what I mean? Like, 
that might become a thing too. I don't know. It seems like a little bit of, of a ringer thing. If you have a really good player on your team or you have a roster spot, are you going to put ringers that can't qualify then for this tournament because they don't get enough minutes? You know what I mean? Like there's going to, that'll sort of, I'm trying to think of it in a way that you can kind of keep the corruption out, right? So like chances are you're, it's going to be mostly develop, developmental players, right? I would just assume that most vets would opt out, have vacation. But in case they want to play as well, hey, play as well. It's an intense three days, right? It's meant for young bodies who are coming out of college, AAU, tournament kind of. They, they can, you know, they're sitting there all season long not playing. They're going to want to play. And then there's like these G League. See, they can also benefit the G League as well because the, the two-way players are like G League players that teams retain. So like no one else can pull them, you know, out of the farm, so to speak. And um, I don't think that they should. Those guys should not automatically qualify for the six. They're not on the team. They're not contracted on the team. They're just sort of like retained. It's a special thing, like an independent contractor. And, it, but I, I think that there should be then um, dispensation if again, like someone defers not to you. At least you have two backup spots at that point that you can then get to six or five. You know, I think you should be able to qualify. Um, for five and then because it brings up the whole point then of what happens in injuries let's say in the quarters the first day of the quarters when you're playing just quarter games for four of them a day um, you are you know you can get injured well where's the reserve there and this is again I think you fill the stands <laughs> with um, G League players like the top basically the starters on G League teams and you bring them out as like a pool of reserves that any team can pull from. They all have names uh, and they know their positions and stats and all that kind of stuff. And so um, that way, again, you're basically next level up. I mean, G League feeds into the NBA. It's the minor leagues for the NBA. So the players in the pool should not be better than the, the insatiable six. Or You know what I mean? Like you shouldn't be grabbing rotation players and then bringing them in as reserve, right? So the G League here, again... I assume that, you know, a free trip to All-Star break and just like sitting there with a beeper, you know, waiting for that beeper to buzz, knowing that someone had a tournament ending injury or sick or, you know, whatever it is. Um, and then suddenly, you know, maybe you could be called up. Now, my thoughts here, uh, again, you know, uh, you can't retain. So if someone pulls someone that, you know, just kind of like in a draft, someone's gone, you just who else is available? I think as well, like you can only do that once, once a day, and you can have no more than three. I, you know, it's like if you have six players on your team, you shouldn't be able to lose more than three. Like if you have less than three players on your team, then you're basically filling, you know, your majority reserve at that point. I doubt that that team would make it to the finals, but still, at some point, you're going to, a team will get out injured and have to forfeit or something, right? But in that case, let that work out as it's going to work out. I just try to make the point of, you know, the reserves would be G League players. The best of the G League players are the best of the available G League players rather than like college or anything like that. So, again, you can kind of put some shine on the G League, the Gatorade League, the develop, developmental league, the minor leagues of the NBA. So a pro there as well. And that's cheap for them too. just fly them out you know, and make them seat fillers, <laughs> you know, so it looks like there's more people in the stands. This thing might take a couple years to get going. 
but yeah, so so that's the who, right? The hungriest players, young players, players that you would want on your team, not just for this moment, but then also, hey, you know, if these guys are good enough to win tournaments, then they should that should be this that should signify that you have a deep team. So the teams that are going to be making it, you know, from the quarters to the bracket to the final will probably be the better teams in the NBA anyways, because they're going to be the deepest. The quarters, like I said, you know, it's a keeper moving kind of mentality. And it's going to be a point differential net rating. That's my idea as well for the quarter. So it doesn't matter your wins and losses unless it's, you know, some kind of tiebreaker. Maybe that comes into play. But essentially 30 teams, they each play four quarters. And then at the end of the day, when the dust settles, there's 16 teams that have the best net rating and they move on to the next day. And then again, in the morning, you have something like a sweet 16, you know, uh, simultaneous courts, only a quarter and like, you know, no coaches challenges. Let's just get rid of that kind of stuff. You got to keep her moving. The other benefit of doing net rating on the quarters day too, is it gets rid of the whole thing of like ties and overtimes, right? Cause like, even if, you know, if the Portland Trailblazers are playing the quarters and they tie every single time, they have a net rating of zero. Well, that might be good enough to get you into the next day. So, you know, no ties, no overtime on the quarter, or you know what I mean? Like ties are fine, no overtime. But day two, then you can start rotating some overtimes. Maybe like an overtime is a best to 11, best to 15, best to 21, something like that. It grows as you get from the Sweet 16 to the Final Four. You know, it's like, uh, so yeah, it's the same thing though. You would have like the the Sweet 16 would be the same rules as the quarters. Then the uh, Elite Eight, you get basically playing half a game, two quarters. Maybe you get an extra timeout at that point. The Final Four game is three quarters. Again, maybe you get another timeout at that point. And then the championship game, the normal game. Then you get challenges. Refs would have to also like swallow the swallow their whistle <laughs> during the quarters, right? Because it's a 12-minute game, still with fouls and free throws and things, you know. Uh, you would have to allot at least a half hour for the game itself just to be played. And if you're rotating teams in and out, you know, you would need multiple courts. But think about how much fun that would be from like the TV you know, junkie point of view where, you know, your all your ESPN channels or whatever, whoever's covering it, you could just like, you know, league pass would be insane. Even if you didn't watch it, you could just see on the ticker, you know, like throughout the day, like the, the difference of point differentials and who's above the 16 and who's below it, right? Who's going on to the next day and who's, you know, going home and how like every hour that might change significantly. I just think that'd be really fun drama. And then you have bracket play, you know, like, Day two is bracket play. Everyone can make their bracket throughout the day, and it's done in a day, right? Then you got your final four. You know who's playing the Sunday game by the end of Saturday. So, yes, yeah, so that's that's more or less my idea, right? So you get the C team, the, the insatiables, a lot more exposure. Whether or not vets want to do it, that's up to them. I think you get better all-star competition. I think it's a great opportunity for content. You know, you get all these stories of players 
you know, you can, it's just like, it's just like, I don't know, you're just gonna get a lot of footage. <laughs> it's a lot of all star weekend. And then you got like this whole tournament during the weekend, it could be a lot. I, I think it's gonna be really fun, you know, like, uh, this, you know, these guys, the insatiables, they get to help their team. Right? This is the way that they can actually make a huge impact on their team. You know, and, and everyone gets a reward, right? Because the players get paid, the coaches probably get paid, the GM gets, you know, to uh, pat themselves on the back and move at, at, you know, at least one spot up or down <laughs> at the best two at the worst one. You know, teams will have better depth. The G League gets exposure. None of the all-stars or rotation players play extra games. So there's no more wear and tear on that end of like adding this, like, you know, no scheduling uh, kerfuffles too with the way that they want to do it now with the commissioner's cup. So, yeah, I don't know. I think, and plus like, you know, yeah, it's, it's, if, if you play the three days, right. You're, if you're one of the championship teams, you're, you're going to play three and a half games over the course of three days. But again, these are young players. I don't know. I just think everyone wins, you know, if you're a home, if you're a fan of uh, the stars, well, the all-star game is still there. <laughs> it didn't go away and it's probably going to get better. If you're a basketball junkie, well, you just got a, a ton more content. It, you know, if you're a hometown fan, well, you're cheering for your hometown because it might mean that you're going to get into the playoffs or you're going to get um, into the draft lottery or have better odds that way. What you don't do is have the commissioner cup boost of like juiced up in you know for for like the regular season games whether or not that actually works if that moves the needle but it's like, this would be something where it's you know just for that weekend so you you basically call you know after the trade deadline you would have to submit who your you know, insatiable six are and your two coaches and then that probably get verified make sure that that fits right there's no like oh how did how did Dame Lillard make it onto the insatiable? You know what I mean? Like someone would have to go through and look at it. But like generally speaking, it's, it's like standalone. So it doesn't really fix any like load management things. It doesn't for the stars. It doesn't like fix um, any of that. You know, the commissioner doesn't get days, <laughs> games named after him. I don't know. There isn't like. You know, plus, like, all this kind of has some chaos to it, you know, and that's not everyone loves chaos and extra work, you know. But they're already going to talk, you know, three days of a tournament with the Stars playing full games versus here, like, six players representing the team, playing many quarters. I don't know. It's still work, I guess. And I did do some math on this idea as well. I did try to like actually figure out like, could you fit this quarters idea in, in one day? And again, you could, you just have to use, like you'd have to basically get a uh, convention center and have like six courts, right? Like that, that's not great logistically. You know, that's a lot of much more cameras and all that kind of stuff. So there's, there's more downsides to this, I guess. But, um, cause logistically I think is like the quarters would be huge. You'd have to, a lot of space, or because 30 teams, right? So you're talking 30 teams, you're talking, you know, if you did groups of um, five players, six groups, so five players all playing each other, that's 10 games, you got 30 teams, you know, uh, that's 60 games, <laughs> each game is 12 minutes. But really, it's like, you know, 
half an hour at least kind of a thing. So you're talking about 12 hours of basketball if it's on two courts. You know what I mean? Um, let's see, like some of my uh, math notes here I had. You need six courts is basically what it comes down to for like something like the quarters to work. And then you just have your um, each court would be the group playing. And then that way you could at least get it through. You could, you know, you could get it to you could cushion that that those 10 games right into like five to eight out, you know, just eight hours, wherever that is. Like you can first games at 9 a.m. And they're not getting out of there until like six, something like that. Right. And again, this doesn't affect anyone. This shouldn't affect anyone who's playing all. No one's like rushing there. <laughs> oh, I got to I got to finish this and get to all. You shouldn't be playing in both of them. Right. So but it is logistically a lot bigger. So there's a few downsides, I guess, if you look at it that way. And that's where I come to this point of like, well, maybe, you know, uh, I don't want to be too hard on the Commissioner Cup idea because I don't know if it's going to work or it's not going to work. Could work. I like my idea so much better. I just like the Insatiable Six idea so much better. I like the represent. I like the young, scrappy guys representing the team in the winner-take-all throw chaos to the wind, let's boost up a couple notches in the standings or down. I, I don't know, I just really like that. But here's some ways that we could compromise the two ideas. And I think it could actually, it could, it could help, right? So we got 30 teams. Let's say we have these like uh, six groups, five teams. And that should be able, that splits easy, you know, three in the west, three groups in the east. So you don't have to worry about any of that. Regular season do the commissioner games. Do the commissioner games, however the commissioner games are going to be worked out. I still think it would be more interesting, let's say, like, uh, so, you know, um, if every team plays it's twice, then you're talking about, like, 20 games. And if it's regional, then chances are they're in the same division anyway. So you're probably going to get, by the time of All-Star Game, two to three, you know, uh, games anyways. So you make at least two of them your commissioner games. And still, and instead of wins and losses specifically, the first thing will be the net rating. And that way, again, you would, over the six teams, you could, doesn't matter who's winning the, you know, who's necessarily winning that, it's kind of like divisions, right? Who's winning that group or whatever. Uh, it's the best 16 that then get moved on to the tournament. So the the commissioner games are a way of not only seeing who's going to play in the turn. I mean, it's going to weed out um, at least 14 teams out of uh, contention. So that way, you then bring them into the quarters. 16 teams then play the quarters. So the quarters will be a lot smaller. You could play them on only like two courts if you wanted to and still get away with, I don't know, uh, six hours or so on two courts. Again, assuming that a half hour is enough time it takes to play a very quick quarter that doesn't have a bunch of timeouts and the refs swallow their whistles and you can't review plays and things like that and you can't tie you know and so that quarter is then becomes seeding for the next day you know you could even skip the sweet 16 at that point you could just do the elite eight and the final four on day two but i, I kind of like still the idea of you know, you're having a sweet 16 like you know all the all the people come in for the quarters no one's going to get eliminated after the quarters so, like, it's just going to be reseeded to find out. Because to get into the quarters, right, to get into this tournament, 
the whole team is playing, right? So that's kind of nice. The compromise works, I think, in that way as well. So, like, if you think about it, the stars and the rotation players, they're playing that game against, you know, Portland's playing that game against Denver anyways. So, you know, let's say it's a Portland wins plus five net rating. You know, that gets tacked on to their total. And then... So it's like, and let's say Portland gets top, one of the top 16. So then basically like, hey, as a team, we got our Insatiable Six into the tournament. We are now helping get our guys, our C team, into this tournament so that they could go compete to win this prize of two up or two down. So in a way, everyone on the team participates. That's, I mean, that's, that's my compromise. It's kind of funny how compromises work sometimes. I think this is the better idea. You know, this is, and so you get the commissioner. You guys will call those commissioner games if you wanted to. Commissioner's ego is, mm, I love that. It's named after me. And then, uh, you know, stars get a, oh, my ego. I got to, I got to help the team do this as well. You know, it's like your whole roster, the GM, oh, I built this roster. <laughs> we got into the Insatiable Six tournament and we won it, or we got this far, whatever. Everyone gets a um, a boost. So, you know, those commissioner games, there's your ratings, right? Those are national um, broadcast games or something like that, right? And then, I don't know. So I, I like that idea as, as far as a compromise. I'll take that. You know, you get your commissioner games and then you shorten the day and the logistics of the quarters no one gets cut move on keep her moving keep her moving so yeah i i don't know i i, I don't know that, that's that's my big idea for the uh the mid-season tournament you know you make and the commissioner games, I mean, talk about boosting up ratings on Thanksgiving and MLK and Christmas, because those would be those, those national broadcast games. Like those should be like these are commissioner cup or these are insatiable six games. These are the games that are going to move our move our team into this tournament. And 16 is better than just eight. I think. And again, if you break it, if you're not making full games and you're just doing quarters, right? For the the first of the for the seeding day, the round robin day, and then again you're breaking up quarters, one quarter, two quarter, three quarters for the brackets, and then a full game. I just think that that's, you know, it's fast and it's exciting, and you have more of an opportunity to compete. Everyone will tell you, you know, having like sixteen teams is a little bit more fair than just eight, right? So, I don't know. I I think the compromise there. Everyone, everyone gets something out of it. The basketball fans get something out of it. You know, sure, they don't get to see their uh, star players compete in a tournament in the midseason, but they're going to see that in the playoffs. Right? You know, they're not going to see them compete in this tournament, but they're going to see them later in the All-Star game, which could be more competitive. You know, the Rising Stars game, again, these would be the people in the Rising Stars game, again, should not be in the Insatiable Six game because they should be like just a notch above. They should be getting more minutes than these guys. I mean, maybe there's a Venn diagram where those players intercede, but you know what I mean? But even that would be, um, you know, if there's a t if there's a player who qualifies for the insatiable six but maybe they're such a great player or they're such a great prospect that they get invited to the rising stars game again you got two-way players then take that spot 
that's why you're holding on to two-way players anyways. You know, if someone gets injured or someone can't play, then they're going to move up. They're allowed to play. You know, they're allowed to play. So um, that's kind of how I see it. So, so you know, you get exposure for all these guys. Uh, the Rising Stars game would probably be a lot better. Because it's like, again, it's like you just had all this action with the quarters. So you better show up like, hey, we got to be better than the quarters. Yeah, you know, it's, I mean, everyone gets a boost. The NBA definitely gets a boost. And I think it's also, you know, from the point of view of like, hey, we recognize that there is that, that the league is full of players, not just like a concentrated uh, the 30 best, you know, or the 50 best. Right. The names you all just hear over and over and over and over and over again, at least for All Star Weekend, along with all those famous names, you might hear other names the names of all the insatiable players, names like, I don't know, names you don't hear very often. <laughs> you know, Skull Labissier, Zach Collins. You know, like uh, some players who, um, you know, you, they might not even be in the league the following year for whatever reason. Or they might go in and out of the G League, right? But this is one moment where they can actually have real time playing against like competition, competition that's also being coached, competition that's also, you know, has a game plan. So it's not just like, you know, teams that tank at the end of the year or garbage time minutes. I mean, this should be real competition. So everyone watching gets something out of it. You don't have to reschedule the season. And that GM prize, two up, one down, or two down, one up, I think that's valuable. And one team a year gets to use it. You know, who knows? Maybe your team just falls in the middle of the playoffs and it's it's not that valuable. I don't know. I think it's always going to be valuable. It's going to move you somewhere. Somewhere better, right? It'll move you because of the way the playing is now. You know, it's a very slim spot. I think before, maybe there's no difference if you land eight and you're like, oh, great, I'll go two up to six, you know, like, um, but now if you land at eight, you go up to six, you're out of the play-in. That's rest. That's like what, game, uh, elimination games you don't have to play. I think that's huge. So everyone gets something with this idea. So spread it around, guys. Uh, I hope it gets lost in your head and you keep rambling it out. I enjoy this thought ramble. I really want to see something like this. I want to see a mid-season tournament where... The teams in the regular season with their Commissioner Cup games get to decide who plays in the Insatiable Six tournament where only the, the bottom six players from every team represent the team's chances to earn this golden egg of two up or two down. Plus some money and a lot of exposure and a lot of great basketball. All right, there it is. There's my ramble. I hope you guys enjoy it. Have a good one. You know what to do. Like and subscribe. Tell others. Talk to others. Get this idea out there. Let's see. Let's get some feedback going. Let's see what happens here. Maybe, um, I don't know, maybe someone's boyfriend is the cousin of Adam Silver's aunt's niece's grandma's nephew. Something like that. You never know. All right. Take it easy. Don't walk on any walls while you're staring at your phone all day. <laughs>